0: Are you ready to take action to attain the lifestyle of your dreams? It's a great way to make a lot of money fast, fast,
1: fast. Hey, welcome back to the Clever Investor Show. I'm your lucky host, Cody Sperber, the original Clever Investor. And today we got an amazing guest, somebody who is a great personal friend of mine, somebody that is a mentor to me on many different levels. I call him for advice all the freaking time, and it's always spot on. His businesses, his brands have done over a billion dollars. In uh, in sales, they've helped millions and millions of people. He is a best-selling author. He's partners with Tony Robbins and mastermind.com and uh, just an overall fantastic human being. Today, we're here with the wonderful Dean Graciosi. What's up, brother? What's up? Good to be here. Welcome to the show.
0: Good to be on your show, I feel. You know, this is awesome. You're just kicking the show off, but so far, it's looked amazing.
1: You know, I've taken over. I you know I really stepped my studio game up today. <laughs> I don't know what is going on in here, but we're we're in Dean's studio today, (laughs) and uh, yeah, I got studio envy.
0: Yeah, this is pretty rad. Well, made it easier. I just have to go from my
1: office and walk in here. Jeez, this is a dope spot. I mean, you 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 do a lot of live trainings stuff. You've had over a million people on your like lives. Yeah, pretty crazy. You had
0: once, not forever. Like we had, and, and just to be. Fair. It was almost a million. It was nine hundred and forty thousand people, but pretty cool stuff. You got to step
1: your game up. Dude. I know. You got to break that million. <laughs> I went for a million.
0: I couldn't get there.
1: That's insane. That yeah. really is insane. Well, look, I, w- this show is all about making money, multiplying your money, managing your money, and making it matter. You're one of the best real estate investors in the country. When I first saw you, you were on infomercials. You know, you actually you started with the car infomercial. Yeah, and then you know to- what was that called again? Motor millions, motor boat and million. <laughs> <Just laughs> that was, that deep, came out in nineteen ninety eight. The proper technique. <laughs> yeah. um, so you were flipping cars, and you're flipping houses, and yeah. then and then where I really saw you light up is when the economy last really crashed. Yeah. And you're, you were everywhere. Your infomercials were literally everywhere, and uh, so much so I don't know if I ever told you this. I got a call from my best friend Brian, who's now my business partner, and the guy goes dude, Dean Graciosi wants me to be his star pupil. And I said, what? And he goes, he personally selected me to be his <laughs> star pupil. I'm like, uh-huh, okay, <laughs> all right. Let's see where this goes. He bought all your books, your, all your stuff, and he, he, uh, that's how he actually started to stair-step into the real estate. That's now he's so, my business I mean, partner. And he's your business partner. Now how he's cool my is business that? partner, you know? And, uh, you know I, and you
0: know what I love about that is there's been so many interviews that I've done, and I feel really fortunate, right? Because some of this stuff you're just figuring out as you go, right? And and you don't know who you affect. But I've had more people sit in this chair, or interview, and say, "Do you know in '97, in 2002, in 2009, I saw something yours, and it sparked." It doesn't mean I, I never want. I don't take credit for your success, your buddy's success, or anybody. But we all need a spark. That's why I'm so glad you're doing this podcast. Because sometimes it's not the whole path we need. It's hearing something in the right moment that you go, I'm going to be disturbed if I don't act today. And some people, you know, you're watching or listening right now. You might've heard it a thousand times. You might've heard Cody a thousand times, but what if today was the day you're like, screw it. This is like, you're disturbed with leaving your life the way it is. And I think, I think that's the thing I love most about doing this. It's why I'm still in the game. It's still, it's why I love it. It's why I want to be a better human. I want to grow. I want to do more. I want to do a 2 million person live. Because I think so many of us need that spark, especially in a shifting world like we're in now, where politics tell us we shouldn't like each other. If you and I disagree on something politically, we should hate each other, shouldn't we? Right? And we have inflation and recession and diversity and people are polarized. And I think in a time like that, I think it's our duty, if we have a mouthpiece, if we have a voice that we could just kind of ignite a flame in people. And, and I think that's the best way to look at it. It's our it's our obligation if we can to ignite something in people where they don't and you know get to their end of their lives and and pissed off they didn't play into their full potential.
1: When I hear you talk, you're so you're so fricking good. You're so smart. Were you like? I, and I'm lucky enough to know you over the years. But like for people just getting to know you, how did you become? This person that's now standing on stages, speaking to millions and millions of people, one of the best in the world at personal development, all these books. When I read your book, like what I I missed in the beginning when I was first starting education was the mindset personal development piece. I was like an analytical, technical investor. I came in, gun swinging. I got the best systems, the best processes. And while I did well, I missed a giant piece until I met, met and saw you. And I'm like, That's the missing ingredient. How did you get to become this version of Dean? Well, I think
0: some of it's because I've just been in the game for a long time. Some of it is because you evolve and you realize that, you know, I would say in my 20s, I would have said, it's 10% this whole mindset, personal development thing. Just give me the freaking tool. I'm a machine. I'll get it done. And at this age, at 54, I know it's 90% mindset. And it's ten percent what it is you put your energy and effort into. But I, I want to ask you a question. You know, I want to I want to make this podcast. If you guys are spending time with us today, I want to make sure you get some t- takeaways that make a shift in your life. If that that you know, take what serves you from this interview. Throw the rest away. But I promise you, if you spend the next forty minutes or so with us, we'll we'll deliver some good stuff. But I I want to ask you something about me. I've never done this on a podcast. I get to meet a lot of people, as do you. So I'm not saying that. We all get to meet a lot of people. But there's very few people, and you know me on a personal level. There's very few people that stick in my life. It doesn't mean they're bad people. It's just, I'm busy. I love being a dad to my four children. I love being a husband to my wife, who I love insane amounts. You were there when I first met her. Um, I love my team, and I love making an impact. I love my partner, Tony Robbins. I, I say no, m- no to mostly everything else. So it doesn't mean I don't want friends. It's just hard. I run two, two companies and all this stuff, right? But you and I connected. And I would say you must have thought I was insane. And sometimes, and I can remember being at certain events and pull you aside and say, hey man, I, I see all the stuff you're doing, but I see another level inside of you. And I, I just said, you don't know it yet. I just saw that in you. And I, I would just ask you, sometimes you might've thought I was fucking crazy because you're crushing it. You're making money. You got your green Lambo. You got things going on. You got beautiful children. You got so many things going on. And you're like, what the frick is this guy talking about that? There's another layer inside of me. And I have to tell you, I remember the day, not that it was from me. I remember when you found it. Again, spark. Please Mm -hmm. know I'm not trying to take any credit for anything you've done. You'd be successful as hell if you never knew who Dean Graziosi was. But I remember the moment, the way your conversations were when you called me or if you left me a message. I just remember the moment that you shifted and realized it's about the human condition. That it's about caring for people. It's not about just selling an average cart and ticket value and how much you made on the property, that people are people. The human condition is the same. And if we master the art of the human condition, if we truly love our clients, love what we do, there's a whole freaking next level game that most people don't transcend to. And I don't know why, but I saw that in you early on, but I know you didn't see it in you. Am I right? Am I, yeah, no, am I off on what I'm saying?
1: I, I know you're kind of like saying, like you don't have to give me credit. I'm giving you credit. Like the, a lot, you, you were always like about 10 years ahead of me in your path. And I always felt like we were running some parallel stuff. Um, you just were able to play the game at a much higher level, get, have a louder megaphone and like really scale a lot, lot faster. Um, it was the first time I ever filmed with you it was when I first planted the seed of like, wow, I'm mi- this is the missing ingredient, the missing piece. For me, I was, I was too disconnected from the emotional side of what people experience when they hear my words, I was coming across too salesy. I, was, I wasn't slowing down. I needed to slow down internally, slow down too. Like I was too fired up. Um, and it was the first time I filmed with you. I left there filming like, or feeling like, like that's, that's the piece I'm missing. You were able to connect with people, like really connect with people fast. And I was coming from way too much of a technical space. And uh, so that was the beginning of it. Um, But just really, honestly, going through a lot of pain. Going through through a lot of personal pain. Mm -hmm. Just making big mistakes in my marriage, big mistakes in my personal relationships, burning partnerships, being scared to go deeper with people. I, I had this insecurity or a wall around me personally where I felt hesitant to connect. And it wasn't, it, recently I've been putting in a lot of work. I actually, I told you about this off air. Like sometimes entre- entrepreneurs, were great because of the pain.
0: Yeah, you're we're, running, you're using, instead of drugs and alcohol, you're using achievement. business and achievement, a- achievement, achievement to scratch the itch.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so I hid in an achievement. And that achievement served me well in the beginning, but it was also one of my biggest crutches. And I think watching you, studying what you have been doing and just being able to call you and have real conversations with you, having somebody believe in you, man, like somebody that you look up to. Think about how powerful that is for one of my mentors, one somebody I look up to, to pull me aside at an event where I'm murdering it. I have all these people telling me how great I am, telling me this is the best thing they've ever experienced. But yet you're the only one that pulled me aside and said, listen, I see more in you. I see you're there. You're getting there, but there's still another level. You're almost, you got to unlock it, but you're not quite there. You got to put in a little bit more work, internal work to get there. That made a big impact on me, dude. Well,
0: I'm, I'm happy. And, and for those of you at home, this is not about a therapy session with Cody and I. I want you to hear that at any phase of our lives, we can make a decision because you might be watching and go, out. Well, Cody's so far ahead of me and Dean's so far ahead of me. I could never catch up. And that's just a bullshit way of thinking. I don't know other, any other way to say it is at any moment at any time, you could hyperspeed to catch where you want to be, your next level. And, and I think it's really good to hear s- successful people share, I screwed up. I could have done better. I made mistakes. Uh, and, and to be able to shift it and switch, like I think the next 10 years of your life, brother, is going to be the greatest 10 years ever. And I'll say to you and I'll say... When I was going through a transformation like you're in, you know what my dear friend and my mentor, Tony Robbins, said to me is, how old are you now, Cody? 44. 44. Tony said to me when I was 47, but I'll say it to you now, he said to me, who, who do you want to become in your 50s? Is what he said to me. And I wasn't ready to hear that at any other time in my life. I'm like, what the hell is this guy talking about? I want to become more successful. I want to make more money. I want to impact more lives. What the hell? What... He said, like, I-, I know you're going to be successful. He said, but who do you want to become truly? Man, it hit me at that moment in my life. I went home. I was flying home. I was on the plane writing down who I wanted to become. And I was thinking through the lens, if my son, at the time my son Brody, was, you know, young, he's 14 today, as a matter of fact. Um, I said, if my son was at my eulogy talking about me. This is, what I, this is the lens. And I know that sounds heavy. And, and again, today, this is different than any podcast I've ever done. And, and, and I hope you're hearing this today. And I hope you're seeing, feeling hope, opportunity, possibilities. You can shift, you can change, you can recognize your own flaws and stop repeating them over and over again. I'll talk about my own in a moment here. But I pictured on the way home from Tony asking me, who is the man you want to become in your fifties? I made this big old laundry list of who I didn't want to be and who I wanted to be. And if my son was reading this, I'm like, would he be proud of me if I was doing some of the shit that I'm doing now? Like, no, it doesn't matter if I'm successful. It doesn't matter if I'm flying on my own plane or have like, none of that shit matters. People don't care what you do, they care who you are. And I started writing down things of the man I wanted to become, the kind of husband. I was single at the time, I had gone through a divorce. I'm like, what kind of man do I need to become to attract the woman I want? Rather than, like that shifted me to go, oh, I need to find a badass, good-looking woman who's a hustler and works out and is going to support me and be on my arm. And I started thinking, that's bullshit. It's what everybody thinks. Tony just asked me a fucking serious question. Who do I want to become? And I started thinking, what kind of man do I need to become to attract a badass woman, not attracting a woman to fill me? If I, and I started thinking, if I bring the same shit into my next relationship than I had in my last they'll do the same thing. If you bring the same shit into a new business into the last one, you have the same results as the first business. You guys know this. some of you have gone through four businesses. It's because you're bringing the same shit into the next business, right? It's the same with relationships. My parents have been married nine times. They bring their same shit to the next relationship. It's like Einstein's quote, the definition of insanity. They're expecting it to change. So I realized who I had to become to attract a wife like that. And then I started thinking, who do I need to become to be the type of dad that is truly connected to their child. Not just Disneyland dad, not just giving them shit, not just happy dads here, like truly. That when my kids have their first boyfriend or girlfriend that they come tell me. My kids are thinking of doing drugs or thinking of having sex, they would think twice or come talk to me. What kind of man do I have to become to have that outcome? You see, we all want the outcome, but most of us are looking for external pieces. We're looking for the, the get rich overnight. We're looking for the, the, the inspiration, the motivation, the mentor. We need all that. But really, at the end of the day, it's who the hell do we must, who must we be to get a million people on a live to do a billion dollars, to have your kids fucking love you and adore you when no one's watching and stick up for you when no one's watching you, to have friends that would have your back no matter what, to have a woman in your life that when she walks in a room, the only person she looks at is you or a man, vice versa. If we start, you asked me earlier, and it's taken a long time to answer this question, how I've evolved, because I just want to look internally and realize there's no one else to blame but us. There's no one fucking coming to save us. There's no one that can wave a magic wand. There's no one's going to fix our economics. No one's going to fix our marriage. It's all on us. And when you take that fucking responsibility, when you stop blaming Trump or you stop blaming Biden, when you say it's on me, when you stop blaming your ex-wife, your ex-husband, it's on me. it's on me. When you take that, man, everything fucking changes, Cody. And I know that that question has been asked, but in that moment of time in my life, that question was a fundamental shift and I started to think Who do I have to be? Listen, again, I'm not saying, but who do I have to be to be a friend to you? There's days, you know how busy my days are. I run Tony's company, my company. I have four children, a wife, hundreds and hundreds of employees. I'm doing a lot of stuff. Dude, when you call me and you're going through something personal, do I drop everything? Everything. Okay, Do you know why? Because that's the kind of man I need to be to be a real friend to you. Not a guy that's just a friend when I want you to promote my launch. That's not a friend. Not just a friend when I want you on a podcast. A friend is... This fucker's in need. He might not be in need in six weeks. I got to cancel two meetings right now and jump on a call. I don't have that with many people. I've had it with you, right? And I know it helps when you're going through things. That's the man I want to become. So if you're watching right now, if you want the outcome of the money, the better body, the better relationship, the better parent, the better business. Stop thinking of what anybody else can do for you. Start thinking. Stop thinking of who did you wrong or let you down or screwed you over and start thinking, who the hell do I need to be in order to have that outcome? And then you get the right mentors and the right courses, and the right training and the right programs, and you follow someone who's the real deal. But the first decision is way upstream, and it starts with us.
1: Extreme ownership. Extreme, extreme ownership. How does somebody who their backs against the wall, they're really struggling right now, they've made their they've made poor choices, or they they found themselves just because of their environment or because of other people's choices. Now they're in this situation where they're just unfulfilled and they're they're hearing what you're saying right now, and they're like, you know what? Regardless of how I got here, I got to step up and take extreme ownership. What are some steps, like, because I tell entrepreneurs, especially entrepreneurs, not just people, but like in the being an entrepreneur is one of the toughest things I've ever done, absolutely. And if I would have known at the beginning what I was signing up for, I don't know if I would have done it. you know, I just had I desired control so that so badly that I couldn't find another path. and so i I inherently- think you're wrong
0: on that. I think you're wrong on that. There's no way because your personality, on the opposite side, imagine if you're making a million year and someone had their thumb on your Yeah,
1: head. no, that's what I'm getting at. I <laughs> yeah. had to have control so bad that I was willing to go this yeah, entrepreneur yeah, yeah. route. But I ignorantly went down this path not knowing the hurdles, the challenges, the setbacks, the pain, the pressure, uh, and it, it's relentless. I, and I've said this in other podcasts, like, for every new level, there's a new devil. It doesn't matter how successful Absolutely. you get. Yeah, people the pressure's the, there.
0: People think the problems go away. You just get
1: better at handling bigger problems. Better, bigger problems. Yeah. Um. So, I always tell people, like, look, there's, like, a bunch of things that your mindset has to go into it. Your faith has to go into it. Um. Your strategy has to go into it. Your perseverance has, like, there's, like, key ingredients What would you say to somebody that's hearing you? And they're like, okay, Dean, I get it. I'm taking extreme accountability. I'm going to take complete ownership. But like, how do I get out of here? Like, what what do I need to do to become that better person? Okay, so
0: it's it's such a great question. And here, my brain goes in a million different directions. And I want to tell you, it's, first off, and you asked me earlier too, how how I've evolved into this. Because I've taken- I've taken the steps to learn. I I, I listen an hour a day, every day of my life, seven days a week. I listen to personal development. I listen to human psychology, positive psychology. I look at history. I'm feeding my brain every day. Plus I get to be partners and best friends with Tony Robbins. and So this is a work in progress. So please know I don't have all the answers. But questions like that, I understand. I like thinking of, like the going upstream, and every year of my life, as my knowledge turns into wisdom, I realize, oh, I need to go another layer upstream. You know, my my dad was diagnosed with diabetes years ago, and when he first got it, they he got all this freaking medicine. And just because I'm in this philosophy of going upstream, I'm like, well, could we do something to? stop the medicine. And and we obsessed on it. And we went upstream. And just a simple analogy, we changed his diet, his sleeping habits, when he ate, how he ate. And within three months, went back in, diabetes was under control. He hasn't taken medicine in 18 years, right? That's just an upstream philosophy. And what I realized is every time you think you're actually upstream, you're not. You're you're 10 feet up the stream when there's miles to go, right? Um, I love that story. And I don't know where the first time I heard it is. It was about medicals, like doctors being overwhelmed. And it talked about these doctor, these medical doctors and, or these students in medical school are pulling in a parking lot and there's a stream by the parking lot and there's people drowning. And somebody runs out and saves one and saves the other. And every time a new doctor pulls up, it's the overwhelm of doctors, right? And uh, it's like, come help me, come help me. And they're just as much as they can go out in the stream to pull people out of the river, more fucking people are, are drowning. And finally, one guy pulls up, he looks, he gets back in his car and starts taking off. And doctor goes, "You you horrible bastard. Why are you leaving?" He's like, "Because we're never going to solve it here. I'm going to drive upstream and see who's throwing them in and stop it. And I've just taken on that philosophy more now than ever, that every time I think I got it solved, I'm like, I'm still not all the way upstream. So um, it makes me realize that if you have your back against the wall, your brain is telling you, right, the feeling of an underdog. I've, I've made lots of mistakes. I don't know any way out. Your brain is telling you some shitty-ass stories. And we know that. Positive story, positive life, t- you know, get rid of negative beliefs and all that. But sometimes it's just freaking hard. I'm like, I'm drowning. You're telling me not to have a negative thought. I'm, I have 400 pounds on my shoulder and I'm two feet underwater. So I want to I share something that I maybe shared twice in my entire life. But that's the way this podcast is going today. As a kid, my parents were married nine times between the two of them, I moved a lot. My dad was the youngest of 12. I'm gonna tell this story, not about me. I want you to put yourself in any predicament. If you never experienced any of this, I promise there's something that'll relate to this story. But when I was about 11 years old, I was living with my mom and she was on her third husband. My dad was on his second wife by then. And my dad was having a really tough time. My dad was the youngest of 12, he was physically abused and sexually abused, like so bad. When he was nine, his father knocked his teeth out, and he missed second grade or third grade because he was so he was shaking so much. Went through hell. And he's old school Italian, youngest of twelve. He didn't get therapy; he just fought his way through. My dad was very angry. Nobody could take care of, advantage of my dad. Somebody yelled at my dad, and like you know, what car rage, you know the, the road rage. <laughs> Shit, my dad's the poster child for road rage. Somebody cut him off; they'd be on the side of the street fighting. Like that's why I hate confrontation. Because my dad fought with everybody. So I'm 11 years old. My mom gets remarried to a great guy named Lenny. who's her high school sweetheart. She ended up marrying him. Buys me my first BMX bike. I live on a cul-de-sac. It's like, damn, I got life going on. I'm 12 years old. He buys me, it was called a pond car. He buys a piece of shit car. And there was a pond across the street from us with a track around it. And he let me, every day after school at 12, I'd come home from school. I'd go jump in the pond car and rip around this pond. I mean, Lenny was awesome. Drove my dad crazy. My dad was threatening us and threatened to kill him. And my dad knows the story and he's okay with it. But it was 12 years old. It got so bad that my mom packed me and my sister up in a motor home and we hid in campgrounds for about two months hiding from my dad because we were afraid he was going to kill us. He was that mad and that upset. And, and I, I'm okay with sharing this and I don't share some, this, but my dad would be okay at this age. He's 86 and we're dear friends now. But we were hiding from him. We were nervous every day. So- one day I get my sister. This is how long ago it was. And I walked downtown about two miles. Pay hey, phone. This is before cell phones. I call my father and he picks up the phone. He's like, where the fuck are you? Tell me right now. I'm coming to get you. And I said, we got to make a deal. At 11 years old. Think about this. I made a deal with my dad. I said, I'll move in. I said, oh, how, when will you leave mom alone? You know, you're worried about, as a kid, you worry about your mom. I said, when will you leave mom alone? He said, move in with me. This is a guy that, at that time, I had a bleeding ulcer at 12 because I was so worried he was going to kill my mom. And that, that's not what his intention were. He was just angry. That's the way I interpreted it. If you really look back at the camera, he probably never said, I'm going to kill your mom. I thought that. So I said, How? he said, move in with me. I said, wow, different school, different friends. I'm leaving Lenny. Lenny, this guy, he's bought me my BMX bike. I got a pawn car. I got buddies. I got a girl that I like in the neighborhood. I said, fine, I'll move in with you. Come get me. So I go up and tell my mom, move in with my dad. And he made me swear I couldn't tell her. I was, don't fucking tell her why. Just tell her you want to move in with me. Broke my mom's heart. To this day, we just talked about it five years ago. It broke her heart. She moved away. My mom moved away a year later, and she's moved, lived in a different state ever since then. So I've seen my mom two times a year since then, right? 50, 40 years later. So I'm telling you this story for a reason. I move in with my dad. And when I moved in with him, he had no money. There was no heat in this house. If you've ever heard me say I lived in a bathroom and and an ad, it was true. I moved in, he was in this house, he couldn't afford the heat. So we had an electric heater, the little space heater. No heat in the house, but we'd plug this electric space heater in and we would sleep in the bathroom every night because it was small enough. We'd drag a mattress in, sleep in it in the morning. I'd wait for him to go to the bathroom and shower outside the door, then we'd vice versa. His truck was so beat up that the back glass was broken, had freaking plastic on it. I'd go to school some days without freaking lunch money. And my mom would say, everything good? Oh, it's great, mom. It's great, mom. So why am I sharing this story? Not to say poor me. Is because my dad would freak. This is your podcast, so I was great. He'd freak the fuck out. Like, there'd be days I'd come home. He'd flip the kitchen table over, grab, a, grab something, knock windows out of our house and scream and yell. It never hit me. But the violence was tough and it ripped my stomach up. And then, so you're saying, wow, what's the, what's the end story of this? I made a choice at this phase of my life because here's what I know, Cody. There was a time by the time I was 13 that I could read my dad's emotions and I had empathy and compassion for him rather than anger and my stomach settled and I wasn't stressed anymore. And what I found is I could feel his energy, Cody. And I knew when he was going down the dark side and I could spin him he ended up being the greatest dad ever. He taught me how to fish and hunt. And we did so many amazing things together. And I lived with him until I was 17. Then I got my own place. Okay. So what's the moral of that story? I could sit here and tell you, you believe this shit that happened to me as a kid. I had to leave my mom and my stepdad and my mom moved away and I missed her my whole life. And God damn it. That's why I've never been successful because of that. That ain't the fucking case. What if life happens for us? That's Tony Robbins 101, not to us. It happens for us. What if at that moment in life, that was my gift? Because here's what I know, and you've watched me do it. I can go out on a stage with 10,000 people and think I'm going to present this, and I can feel what they need. And I can throw my fucking scripts away, throw my PowerPoint away, and I can lean into that audience for an hour and a half, and I know I shifted their life. You know where I got that gift? because I used to watch my dad and I knew how to read his emotions. I'm an empath where I can feel someone and what they need. Did you, You've called me sometimes. Don't you feel I truly know what you need in that moment? That was the gift my dad, God, the universe gave me so I can make two decisions. You ask me if your back's against the wall. My back's against the wall. My back was against the wall more than you could ever imagine. I could say, Look what I went through with my dad. Barely know my mom because of it. This guy put me through hell. I had a bleeding ulcer at 12. I went to school without lunch money. No wonder my life sucks. Or wow, fucking God gave me that gift that I could fucking get on stage or I could be in this room with 800,000 people on Zoom and YouTube and I could fucking lean into their life because God gave me that gift of dealing with my dad. So you talk about upstream for me, I go all the way fucking upstream to say, that shit happened for me. I best use it to serve.
1: Wow. Yeah. That was a great story. True story. That was a great lesson. You know, um, the most traumatic thing that ever happened to me is I caught my dad smoking weed out of a dick bong.
0: (laughs) That that might be the same (laughs) level. (laughs) I think that might be the same level of being (laughs) traumatic.
1: So that's why I'm really great. No, it, I I uh, I never heard that story before. I've never to- I've told yeah. it maybe yeah, once or twice the, in my life. I've heard you say that you slept in a in a bathroom and all that, but now there's a lot of context around it. I like, think I'm sorry that you went through that, but I'm not. Also, yeah, not I'm even not a little. because like my favorite thing about you is that ability. Like I used to say whenever I would talk, to, like explain like Dean to people, oh, what's Dean like? I'm like he downloads from God. I don't know how to explain it. Like he's got this gift where he's able to just know exactly what to say, when to say it, how to say it, how to deliver it. And it was such a, a magical art form that you've developed over the years. It's radically shifted me and my sales ability. I've increased my sales by tens and tens of millions of dollars just by studying some of the things that you've done and mirroring some of it. And and look, from a marketing standpoint, you're the best in the world. Like there, there I. I don't even know if I know anybody better than what what you do and how you do it. Um, uh I call you all the time for marketing advice and I study your funnels and I study, you know, and it's funny too because people study mine. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah, yeah, kind of like that, you know that each each new person that's coming up studies it. But like right now, what's your biggest mission cuz you're first off, I would love to know how you ended up with partners with Tony Robbins. I mean, sure there's a lot of people here like want to get to know Dean. You said it earlier. I'm not I don't take on a lot of new friends. Tony Robbins doesn't take on a lot of new friends. Like, how, how, I wanna know how you got there, but before we go there, like, what's the biggest mission right now for you? You're talking about doing 2 million people on it. Like, why are you so driven? You have it all. You have all this money. You have a beautiful family. You could be retired tomorrow. Why are you so driven at this point in your career to continue to like do all this impact and stuff? What's the purpose? What's
0: the drive? So it's funny because I just had this conversation with my daughter on the way to school yesterday. Um, Every day I get 20 minutes on that car to take her to school and try to plant seeds, right? You're just planting seeds for the future. And I talked about purpose. I talked about, you know, one of the biggest common denominators of people who survive cancer. They've studied a million things. You know what the biggest, only one determining factor of people who live longer with cancer of any other thing that you could do and it's a big purpose. Those with a bigger purpose live longer with a life-threatening illness than any other thing. Not yoga, fish oil, exercise, purpose. So I I had that conversation with my daughter. I I would say my purpose at this point is, um, I believe, going upstream again. And and I hope I shared that personal story. I just want to say I, I shared it because if the only thing you got from today was, what if all the shit that went wrong, the people who let you down, what if? That was all designed by God or whoever you believe, somebody bigger than you, to put you exactly where you are today because it's exactly what you needed to get where you want to be. I know that sounds like, eh, Dean, this sucks where I'm at, but what if you had to be in that place to really get to where you want to go? That's just something I'll leave you to think, at, uh, think about. Um, purpose. So at this phase of my life, I realize that it is way bigger than the end result of playing in the car the, the the houses, like, how many people do you know that have sold their businesses and they derail? They're, yeah, especially miserable. guys, 55 yeah. years old, they go on testosterone, start going to strip clubs, lose their family, hate their fucking life and three years later they're trying to find another business. I don't want to, I'm not trying to stereotype because there's a lot of amazing humans who would never even consider that but I know some that went down that path. I know others that don't know what to do with themselves. And they went to the country club seven days a week. They gained 20 pounds, 50 pounds, 100 pounds. And now they're miserable trying to start another business. We know people who hit lotto. They burn it all. They go broke. So the end re- if the end result of having everything you want, trust fund children, <clears throat> Google the percentage of trust fund children that go sideways. It's like 87% of all trust fund kids go sideways. Drugs, alcohol, die early, suicide, depression, so what the fuck does that mean? We're all fighting to get to a place where we have all the money and abundance so we have to do anything, fighting to a place that when you get there, it's where chaos fucking happens. So if you really go upstream, we're not fighting for that. I really believe when you get through all the different layers and the older I get is we're all fighting to contribute. We're all fighting to give back. We're all fighting to grow as humans. I want to keep growing every day until the day I die. So I think, I think growth and contribution Giving back to others and serving, man, that's a purpose worth getting up for. So without hyperbole, without bullshit, I am more driven about impacting people's lives today. And I think my years of doing this allows me to do it in a big way. Um, I'm more driven to impact lives than ever before at a time when I think people need it the most. I'm also really driven by legacy. I want to hand the baton off to my children. My children are not going to be trust fund children. They have the opportunity to grab the baton and run with it. If they don't want to run, if they think they're just going to get the baton, sit on the sidelines and smoke dope out of a, you know, a a dick bomb, (laughs) that's just not going to happen in my, my child. Like the, really the way my things are set up is we're a baton family and I teach my kids that every day. I want to leave a legacy. I want to hand the baton off to my children. I want them to take what I did and make me look like a fool. Like, oh, my dad only amassed this. Look what we've done, right? So I'm driven by impact. I'm driven by growing as a human. And I'm driven by leaving a, a legacy where we can serve others and really keep impacting the world. Man, I'll work harder every day in my life for that than I ever did when I was trying to get to my first million.
1: Relentless pursuit of impact. Yeah, yeah, I love that, and I I know that about you because that it's built into every single conversation that you you pretty much have. What would you like? You know, this is obviously a financial literacy yeah. podcast. So I want to talk about some of that and then we I, want to, I want to, I want to, I want you to give me the formula of how I become partners with a guy like Tony Robbins cuz I actually tried to do it. I told you that story, no. right? Oh, I went to a UPW. I brought my number one sales guy and my uh, one of my uh, president of my company And we went to a UPW, bought VIP tickets, tried to get front row, had no idea what I was walking into. I had it in my head. I'm going to be partners with Tony Robbins because I saw you and I didn't know you were already like all the way in, like six, seven, eight years into that relationship. So I'm just thinking, I need the personal development piece. Tony's the biggest name in the game. I got, I just uh, 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 licensed and started publishing Josh Altman for Million Dollar Listing. I'm like, I'm going to take the celebrity. I'm going to take Tony Robbins, slam them together. I'm going to blow up the back end. And we're going to take over the real estate space. And I get to UPW. First off, I see you in the lobby. And I'm like, dang it, why is Dean here? I'm (laughs) like, what the heck, man? Like, is he ahead of me? Like, what's going on here? And like, no clue that you were like all the way in. Uh, But I bought all these tickets, all this VIP, everything, realized that I'm walking into a 9,000 person event. And there is no get close to Tony Robbins. Um, And so I was looking for a path to actually meet the guy. And I saw a charity auction. They had this auction where they were auctioning off a poster and you get to take a picture with Tony Robbins. And I'm like, that's it. <laughs> I'm in. Boys, we're buying this poster. It was me and this Asian guy. You know, the first day, you're exhausted. I swore to God, I'm not dancing. Yeah. I'm not dancing. And three I'm not minutes massaging later a off. guy three, next to me. Yeah, three and, minutes later, I'm dancing massaging and massaging. <laughs> Uh, but you know, you you start playing full out, and all of a sudden you get bought in. And I was really watching the psychology of like from a, from the art of yeah. the event and so I was just mesmerized Nobody by better in the world. The neurolinguistic everything going on there. The, uh, it was magical. I was very glad I went. But then after walking on fire, after doing all this stuff, I'm exhausted. I Now this charity auction starts going down. And of course, some rich ass Asian dude shows up and I go, Oh, uh, they started the auction. I said, 5,000. He goes, 10,000. I'm like, Ugh. I said, 11,000. He goes, 15,000. Like he was jumping You're by like, 5K. 15,109 yeah, dollars. Yeah, <laughs> I kept like barely... It, uh, uh, going up in the bid, and he would jump by 5K. This freaking poster got like 30 G's for a poster. Finally, the guy bowed out, and I won the poster. I would, because I was not leaving yeah. there without, I, I had come too far. I'm like, we're gonna be business partners with Tony Robbins. I get shuffled back to this thing. Hey, we're gonna, in like an hour, Tony will come back. He'll meet you, you'll take pictures. And I had the whole pitch in my head. I knew I was gonna close them, like this thing was happening. It was, it was fate we get shuffled to the back. It's like 10 or 11 o'clock at night. I'm, I look like a crackhead. I'm totally exhausted. <laughs> I have no color. I'm like, my eyes are going sideways. And I'm walking up. and I can see him there. And he's got all the security around him. And he's 19 foot tall. And his hands are this big. And I all of a sudden get this download. Like, you're not here for Tony. You can't do this. Don't pitch Tony. This is not going to work. Do not do it. There's something off. And I, I'm like, why is this happening? I literally just spent all this money, yeah, yeah. all this time to get here. I'm, I should be like focused on closing. And, uh, it, this thing just kept downloading. Like, it's not right. It's not right. It's not going to happen. You're going to, it's, it's not the right person. And I literally walked up. I shook Tony's hand. I took a picture where I literally, my eyes are cross-eyed. <laughs> it's the worst thing, Like everybody wants a picture with Tony Robbins and I look like a cross-eyed crackhead. And, uh, and I walked away. I never said one word to the guy. I was there maybe a minute. All of that for a one-minute total bomb. My sales guy and my, uh, my president of the company was like, why did you shit the bed? What happened? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I just, it didn't feel right. And I, walked, I left there and I went to the airport and I've been looping the whole time. And on my plane was Joseph McClendon. And I said, that guy was up on stage with Tony half the time. Like, I really liked Joseph. I'm like, I'm not at Tony level yet. Like, I need somebody that can bring the elements of it, but I'm not there yet. And I literally pulled Joseph out of first class and said, hey, listen, will you do me a favor? Will you get up out of your seat? I said, Matt, sit down in Joseph's first class seat. We're in the last row of the plane. Joseph, <laughs> can you come to the last row of the plane with me and have a conversation? I'm gonna make you a lot of money. I said, please, just, I'm gonna pitch you on a business idea. You're gonna love it. By the time the plane lands, we're gonna make a ton of money together. I just licensed and, and signed Josh Altman. He's on this big show. And he goes, I know who Josh, so I was using Josh's bait. And I said, I, I, know, I know who Josh is. And we, I, to his credit, he got up out of first class, went to the back of the plane, said, you have five minutes and then I'm gonna put my hat over my head. I'm going to bed, I'm exhausted. The four and a half hour plane ride, I pitched him the whole time. By the time we were done, we cut the deal. That's awesome. A week later, he was in my office filming and he brought all the elements to my my events and stuff. Um, and then I found out a week later that you and Tony were starting to like partner up and starting to, so I said, that's why. I said, Dean, 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 Dean was, you saw it. You were, you were way ahead. Hey, sorry for the interruption. I'm gonna let you get right back to the episode, but I wanted to share with you something real quick that I think is gonna help your business in a major way. A few years ago, I started a real estate mastermind and we call ourselves the Avengers. It's an experiential mastermind. There's about 175 members. They're all super high level. They're all gaining skills and capabilities. Networking is off the charts. So if you're looking to get plugged into something that's gonna really lift your business up in a major way, check out joinavengersmastermind.com. Watch the video that's on there, read all the information and see if getting plugged into a mastermind would be right for you. That's joinaventuresmastermind.com. How did you end up building a relationship with a guy like that?
0: I think it's a lot of the same things I've been sharing today. And, and today, I know this is a financial show when you're like, hey, I didn't know I signed up for a personal development show. But when people ask me, what's your secret to success? I just want you to hear something. Everything I shared today is the secret to my success. I know people might be thinking it's the way I build my pages or the way we do our marketing. That's part of it but it all stems from what I shared today. So if you have to, listen or watch again, because uh, I shared some of the things that truly are the foundation of, uh, at least in my journey. And uh, and listen, I'm not here for, I'm not everybody's type. Fact of the matter is there's some people that like the bold, brash, million dollars, Ferrari, go, here's my jet, here's my life, let's fucking get rich in five minutes. And that doesn't make any of them bad. I, I admire some of those guys. It's just not my style. I'm a little more soft. A little, like, so one thing I will say is follow someone that aligns with who you are as long as they're really successful, not someone that's just playing the game. So I'll I'll just say that. Secondly, with Tony, I bought Tony's courses 25 years ago, Personal Power. Um, And it truly impacted my life in a massive way. And 25 years ago, when I got it, I had orange earbuds and cassette tapes, uh, Mm -hmm. listening to them, taking a walk every day, listening to all the, the tapes and power talk and all those. Um, I remember saying someday I want to be partners with this guy, which probably every single human in the history of the world said when they heard Tony Robbins, but it evolved past being partners upstream years on this earth about a decade ago, about 12 years ago, somebody connected us and I'm thinking I could be partners. And then before I got there, I'm like, you know, bullshit. Everybody wants to be this guy's partner. What if I was the different and just said, I'm never going to be partners with this guy, even if he asks me and I just get back to this guy because he impacted my life in such a good way. And that's how we started our relationship, reciprocity. There was things that I was good at. I, I, I literally said, when people go to a UPW, I Ben, when you're done, you don't get any follow-up. Like you're jonesing for more Tony Robbins mm-hmm. three weeks later. I said, what if I build you a drip sequence post-purchase that's bonding and relationship building? And I ended up recording videos as if I was Tony so he could just have an easy way to watch me and then go film it. I wrote personally wrote the emails I provided his team all this stuff. And I remember one time he took a picture of his black card and sent it to me. He goes, I think you made me millions. So charge me what you want. So I replied back. I'm like, I just hit you up for 2 million. Nah, just kidding, right? But we went years of just building a friendship. And then we started golfing twice a year. I only golf twice a year. It's both times with Tony. We started meeting in some place to brainstorm once a year. And we did that for about six years. And sometimes a business comp. I'm like, no, I'm not doing it. Because when I'm with them, I'm watching people like what you were going to do everywhere somebody gets three minutes with tony like don't listen this is what we could do i got a health thing your health i got a real estate that i got i'm like this guy's got to be so sick of people and not knowing who his real friends are because mm. everybody wants to pitch him something so fuck it i am not doing business with this guy and like five years ago we we're on a golf course and we were just talking about the self-education industry and how there's some great players in it and how many, how this industry changed our lives and we started talking about how do we help other people share what they know and that's how we ended up with mastermind.com and and uh, we were getting done with golf. He's like, "I know we have. let's do something." I'm like, "All eh, right, let's do it." So it started with the right reasons. You served right your way mission. there. I served, served my way. way there. Yeah, I
1: love that. I mean, a lot and of it people- wasn't one thing
0: I want to share though. I wasn't expecting anything. That's one of the gifts. That's one of the gifts I think I could share with you today. People do fake reciprocity. I'm gonna do shit for Cody for like five weeks, and the sixth week I'll fucking ask him if we can do that partnership. What if he just went in and say, "I'm gonna serve." And if it's meant to boomerang and come back, it will. And if it doesn't, I'm not going to force it. That's the nerve you have to have. You have to go in saying, I'm just going to give because it feels good to give. And this guy needs something. And if it results in something great. And if it doesn't, that's fine.
1: People are always trying to ask successful people for their time. And that's the one thing they value the most. Yeah. And they're always like trying to abuse the the time thing. Um, I think what you did was really smart. Um, and, and you guys are a great complement to each other. You guys really are. You, yeah. guys, you guys are powerhouses, and it, it's really cool to see you step in there, take over some of the responsibilities on the, especially on the marketing side and the the running of the companies. And it's it's been cool to see your personal development, like watching you go through your divorce, the panic attacks, the 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 yep. feelings you were in at that time. Um, to see where you are now is is really beautiful. Your family's beautiful. It, it, it's a cool thing to to, to watch that evolution. Yeah. You've unlocked… I think Tony brings out a lot of great things in you, but I think Lisa brings out the she greatest does. things in oh, you. I, like, when I see that relationship, at first, I honestly… At first, I was like, this is some cheese, cheesy shit. Like, these, they're really into each other like that. Are they really… You are really into each other yeah, like that. Like, are. literally… Still, six years in, two it, kids. It's insane to watch or bond… On a daily basis, do you just show, and give some relationship advice real quick? Because you fucked it all up. I've I've made a lot of mistakes on the yeah. relationship side of things, and I'm going through a lot of transformation right now. W- what would you tell somebody married to an entrepreneur or just being in a real relationship where you're trying to level up? And, and how do I even put up with a personality like a dean for a decade or two?
0: Yeah. So first off, I think one. If I, two quick things, and we haven't got. I want to give some money advice before I go. Um, I think two things is I said it earlier. I really analyzed what things I needed to change and improve upon to bring into my next relationship. Because what you don't realize is when you get out of one, whether you date for a while and then we can bring the same shit and it's never shows up in the first six months because you are always somebody different for six months in a relationship. I never, you can never judge anybody when they're all over each other for six months because after six months, people go back to who they really are, right? And I just recognize that. And I'm like, this is the shit I did wrong in these relationships. I take full responsibility. I'm dear friends with my ex. We co-parent like nobody I've ever seen. But I know what I did wrong. And she knows what she did wrong. And we could either bring that shit forward or I could really work through it. And I had to go upstream. And I found out that I didn't think marriages were, I didn't take them that serious because my parents change their marriages like they changed their underwear. It wasn't like I had to dig in and realize, man, I don't value this thing at the level it should. And if I'm going to say yes to somebody, I'm fucking all, listen, none of my businesses wouldn't make, would make it. Neither would of yours. If we weren't all in and committed, if you dabbled in your business, if you weren't committed in a business, if you tried 15 businesses at once, if you were, none of your businesses work, Cody. Then why the hell am I not doing that in a relationship? Why am I not all in, all committed, growing, reading books on it? I read books on business. I read books on marketing. Why the hell am I not reading books on on marriage and connection? Then I started interviewing people that were married 30, 40 years and were happy. Everybody I could find that was married for a long time, like, hey, can I call you? And I would ask questions. I found one that was amazing. Don't keep score. In the beginning of a relationship, you don't keep score. You're in three years. It's like, fuck, I was home. I did this, I did this, I did this. God, she, my dinner wasn't ready when I was gone. Man, I, I'm pulling my weight. Fuck it. I'm going to go out with the boys and have some drinks because she doesn't respect what I, like we start keeping score in our heads rather than just like we're in, we're a partnership, right? So all these little things added up. So the only thing I'd say is you kind of know in most cases what you did wrong. If you don't, take the time and write down what could you have done better in past or current relationships and just grow like you grow your business. If you did the same thing in business right now that you did 10 years ago, you wouldn't be in business. You're growing, you're evolving. You got to do the same thing in a relationship. Now we got two young kids. It's a different dynamic. I'm learning how to support her and love her. I got a badass entrepreneurial wife who's home with two kids. She didn't think she'd ever be a stay-at-home mom and she freaking loves it. But simultaneously, she's like, but I'm missing out on my business and what I should be doing. So now I'm learning how to help her cope with that. Because she is a freaking badass, I'm like, be a badass mom for three years, the best in the world, and then we'll go launch a new business together, right? So I'm learning and growing, not just ignoring
1: it. I love that. Well, it is cool to watch you guys navigate together, and it's uh, you guys are building empires together and really supporting each other. And I just love how you adore her. Yeah, I do. Like even when she's not around, you're you're you you would it's as it you speak as if she's sitting right next to you yeah. all Thank the you. time. I love that. That's a great standard to set. Um, all right, let's let's transition a little financial talk. So, you've done how many houses? Like, you've owned so many houses, hundreds and hundreds. Probably and
0: over fifteen hundred.
1: Fifteen hundred houses. You're one of the biggest real estate educators and gurus in the world. Uh, you're a phenomenal investor. Obviously, the market's shifting hard right now. You know, we're we're now in a new year. The elections are kind of behind us here in the United States. Where do you feel like things are going? What are things that you think about when you think about investing, whether it's real estate or anything else? Like, how are you processing the world right now? I'm sure you get a lot of opportunities brought to you to invest in things because you got capital now. Where are you at? Are you still heavy real estate? Are you worried about the economy? You're sitting on the sidelines, dry powder, ready to pounce. Like, what, where's your head at?
0: Yeah, a little, a little bit of all of it. So, if I if I think of real estate. And you probably watched this. It's why 07, if you remember, you said I was everywhere. 07, 08, or 09, my business quadrupled while this is kind of old school for those who remember Carl Sheets and uh, the guy from Florida, I forget his name, and Dynatech and Robert Allen. Um, there was a bunch of infomercials about real estate in 07.
1: Was it Glenn something? Glenn? Yeah, it was Glenn Beck. Glenn, not, Glenn, was Glenn, Glenn Beck was, it was it Glenn one Beck? of them. I don't remember. Long yeah.
0: story short, I was one of multiple people teaching education in 07. The world collapsed. Everybody was in the foreclosure, bankruptcies. By 2010, I had zero competition. They were all gone. And we were, you know, a million dollar a week company or a million and a half a week company. And I don't say that to brag on those numbers. That, that was just the growth that we did. And, and in that time, what I realized is, and, and I hope this helps because I, I also want to share this for those of you who are just starting in real estate or just getting, they didn't change their method. They were still selling through an aspirational, get a new house, get the free vacations. People weren't looking for aspirational. They weren't, people were looking to be secure and safe. When economy shifts, people aren't looking to get rich. People aren't looking to be okay. They, wanna, they want their wife or their husband or their kids to look at them and say, dad, we Okay. Husband, wife, are we okay? And you can look at them and go, we're good. We're not going to make millions through this, but we're going to be okay. So I shifted that mindset instead of aspirational, instead of selling speedboats and vacation homes, I wanted to sell life preservers and security. And that's when we shifted to wholesale. I mean, you took wholesaling to a whole nother level, but I think I was the first one to make it cool. Like in 07, it was like, hey, don't buy and fucking hold because I don't know where it is. I'm not smart enough to tell you when this is going to end. I don't have a crystal ball. I won't predict. So don't buy and hold. Because if you buy and hold and don't have the money, I don't know where you're going to be in six months or 12 months. I don't have a crystal ball. Or Fix and flip, I should say. Yeah. You know, um, fix and flip. I said, buy and hold. If you're okay, just buy it on cash flow. No other. You might have to hold it a month or six years to get your money back. If you're okay and can invest and do that. I don't do count that. on any appreciation. But don't, don't count on just, appreciation. Just buy for right. Cash because or. what happened for so long, people would buy a house, you know, that it happened mm-hmm. in the last five years, and they'd be like, I could rehab this in five months. And it takes them nine. And they got benefited in the nine because they made an extra 20 grand because it took them longer to rehab. It's like, oh my God, I just put a dollar in, I wait nine months and I get a dollar eighty back. Let's keep doing this. And people had that same mentality. And my competition was still teaching people how to fix and flip. I'm like, fix and flip is dead. I'm not going to do that. And some people pretended they were long term hold, but they really just rented or wanted to sell it for the appreciation. So my pitch was like, I wouldn't fix and flip. Don't buy and hold if you don't have the the wherewithal the last five or 10 years. But there's a lot of people, and I'm not saying this is the strategy you use, but this is what I came up with in 07. There's a lot of investors that we can find that own four, five, six houses. They're landlords, not the big institutional lenders, not the person that just started. Find the people in your, neighborhood in your city, in your town that own four five, six houses, and they'd love to add some cheap rentals and just wholesale to them, be a bird dog. And that was the first time wholesaling had been around forever. I just kind of exposed it in a book that sold a million copies. Right. And I was like, just spend the next couple of years, not thinking about getting rich, supply good deals to people that want them and target small landlords. And that, I mean, it, we, we went from one of seven to the only man standing because they didn't shift. So the only thing I'd say is, and I'll ask you this, have your conversations around the dinner table or the coffee shop table changed in the last six 100%. months? 100%. Significantly. Yeah. So your marketing and your deliverables have to change. And most people aren't going to. You're going to watch people in this space, I promise you, in the, in the real estate education space. There's a lot of them out there. There always has been. Now it's easier access. When I was in the infomercial world, people couldn't afford to get on TV. Now everybody and their brother could do a Facebook ad and a, and a, you know, a Kajabi site, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to watch 60% of them will be gone in 12 months, Cody, because they're not leaning into what people need. Again, everything I started all the way in the beginning said I gave you the secret, care about people human condition. People are struggling, struggling. This is not a time to sell them more. This is a time to serve them more, to help them more, to make your product better, to love them more and really provide. If you love your clients more, you love your product more, you serve them more, and you actually find shit that will serve them in this shifting economy, you will not survive in this shift. You will freaking thrive. When this when when the dust settles and half of your competition is gone, you'll own the entire space. And I have since then.
1: I love that. And we've been shifting our, I mean, I've been shifting for the last like year, but yes, I love that. And, and, it, and it, it's so true. It's life preservers. Yeah, That's what people care about right now. W- what kind of investments are you thinking about or doing right now? Are you- are- I got a little bit of dry powder on the side because I think there's going to be some great opportunities. I, I switched,
0: I just sold. In the last downturn, I bought over a thousand houses. Almost blew myself up trying to rehab a thousand houses at once was the dumbest thing. But I was like a kid in a candy store. Everything was on sale, everything was 60, 40% off. Just bought too many at once, but it, it, it turned out great. And, and over the last five years, I sold all of them. I just sold the last one literally last week. Oh, wow. Um, so I have no more single, I mean, I, I have my personal homes and a couple. I, I maybe have five single family homes around the country when I had over a thousand. Um, but in the last year, I bought A plus commercial properties. I bought a couple of Buffalo Wild Wings and pharmacies and
1: Walgreens and A plus. So you're buying the real estate and they're lease backing from you. And you're just Just like, hey, man, this is great cash flow. This is. They're national
0: companies, national leases, tenant. Right. Just post office. Like I'm buying a, 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 a. Today I'm closing on a hi fi. No, hi. It's the grocery store in the Midwest, the healthy grocery store in the Midwest that everybody loves. Um, I'm closing on one of those today. Really safe, really secure, long-term investments. These are, I'm buying these for my kids, right? You're, it's not getting rich overnight, but man.
1: So you're putting what? 10% down, 20%, 20. 20% down. A broker brings you an opportunity. Yep. Hey, listen, they, they already got a a, a, a leaseback program in there. They just want you to take out, you know, own the real estate. Yep. It's like what? Five-year, 10-year leases or something. Exactly. Some of them are 10. Yeah. It's crazy. It's beautiful. Yep. And uh, they're, they're, Triple A rated credit triple A rated yeah, so national
0: companies that if if these guys go bankrupt, the whole country's falling apart. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um that's what that's so I just I did a, a probably in the last 12 months with these three, probably about 60 million dollars, 70 million dollars worth of that. And that's all I'm gonna do this year. I'm parking that. That's part of my children's portfolio. Don't even it's not even owned by me. It's owned by my kids' trust. Don't tell them they don't know because that's that's still a baton. They got to manage that shit or it's going to charity. Right, yeah. so that's just one chunk, and and then I'm I'm probably going to spend next year buying um, uh, multi doors. So you yeah. and I should talk about that because you got let's some great go, people baby. in your life. So are we
1: going to do a deal? To, let's do let's just, do some multifamily deals. I want
0: to do multifamily, and yeah. and that's going to be another bucket.
1: I, I want w- all I affordable wanna, housing. I want to own about
0: a hundred million in that bucket by the end of next year. Uh, again, please know when I say that I'm not saying that to brag. hundred million bucks. I didn't even think that was. Uh, I, when I made started making a grand a week, I was the happiest human being alive. When I made five grand a week, I was the happiest human alive. It's all relative. If you can buy a $5,000 house or a $50 million complex, it's all the same. It's all the same feeling. I'm just, I'm trying to smartly diversify for if inflation stays, if, man, I read, read Ray Dalio's book. That's a whole nother podcast. Isn't yeah, the one? Did you, that'll did you scare just, the crap out of you. Yeah, talk about feeling scared. So I'm trying to diversify in ways that if the dollar collapses, or China becomes the new national world currency. That I still have stuff for my children that's diversified enough.
1: Yeah. That there's different. Well, buckets. you were the you were the one who told me it was the first time I ever heard it that real estate is future proof. It is. You know, a lot of other industries can come and go, but people always need a, a place, place to, to live. live and a yeah. place to work. Yeah, I loved when you said that. I, it was like such a great way to just think about real estate, and it's why I love it so much. It's, I can also, you know, I'm also the weird architect guy that like loves to like stare at my real estate. Yeah. Oh, same here. Like real estate porn, little real estate porn. Can I, I some, just flick through in my hometown. little Zillow porn in the
0: morning. Okay. Can I tell you, in my hometown where I grew up in upstate New York, little town of 6,000 people, I bought a farm a year ago and I've been remodeling. Uh, I've been remodeling two houses on the farm and we're going to spend a month there this summer. It's a tiny Love little that. town. We're going to have horses. We got a lake on the property. It's got bass in it. There's a bocce ball court. There's an outside like, you talk about real estate porn. It's just, when my days are crunched, which we all have it. I'm not saying I'm busier than anybody here. We're all busy. Literally five times a day, I was gonna pull it up on my phone. I pull up and see the evolution. Like the granite went in yesterday, and I love the mitered edge because I told him I said I want a two and a half inch mitered edge. Like th- the last one you did, it was too thin. It made it the my. Miter- so I got the pictures yesterday. Literally five times yesterday. You're I'm on Zoom. It's like one Zoom <laughs> to another, and I'm like. While I'm on Zoom, I'm putting it next to the camera, and I'm yeah. like, "Look at that mitered corner, son of a bitch! That looks great." I can't wait <laughs> to spend
1: some time on that farm with you.
0: Yeah. I honestly, I built it. No, I built a guest house at the same time. So perfect, good. I could stick you out in the guest perfect. house. Perfect. <laughs> That's exactly where
1: I'd like to be. Um, what scares the shit out of you?
0: Ah, uh, what scares? Like, the what shit?
1: really? What What are you? What are you afraid of?
0: I'm probably deep down from where I came from. I'm deathly afraid of being broke. I'd love to say that I've outgrown that or feel it, and and. Shit would have to go really sideways for that to happen. But I think deep down, I never got rid of that. And I think some of those things that we have, um, we can use it as fuel and it doesn't have to be negative, it doesn't have to be ugly. So, what that does now at this phase of my life is where do I make really smart investments? Right? I have to be honest with you. I don't, I try not to make dumb investments. I have a dear friend that was crushing it in NFTs. This guy's company does a billion dollars a year. We both know him, but I'm not going to say his name. He said, dear friend. His company does a billion, one, billion, two. Literally like double, triple, quadruple his money in NFTs. And every week he's like, brother, put in a little money with me. I'll do the work and flip it. Like, I just don't do stuff I don't know. It's why I invest in real estate. It's why I don't have a lot of money in the stock market. I'm putting more in now because everything's on sale. And I probably will over the next 12 months. So I said, no, 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 no. Finally cut the check. Ooh. Two million bucks. Oh, gone.
1: Got some. You got. You but, got a picture of a monkey, I'm, though.
0: Yeah, gone. <laughs> it, it, now, and I never do that. I did it because it's a dear Damn. friend, and, and gone. And I say that. Um, that's the. That's why. Uh, that's the kind of stuff that. What I'm saying is, it scares me to go broke. Different. It's it's evolved. It's, I'm not a fear of going broke. I just don't want to waste good money. I would have rather given that money to charity. Like last year, I provided 10 million meals through Feeding America. I built two schools. I donated 600 thousand dollars of my own personal money to Operation Underground Railroad because it saved 1,500 kids from slavery. Like if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna, like that fear is like if I'm gonna lose the money, I'd rather give it to charity than make dumb decisions. So that fear of being broke manifests now. Is that's why I, I want to buy 100 million dollars worth of AAA. Commercial property, like I did. And then I want to go over and do that same thing with real estate. So it's transcending to, I don't want to just work like a fool and not have it mean something in the future. So I kind of went from fear of being broke to fear that my legacy is going to be stupid. Right. So that's one. I think the second fear I have is um, not being a connected father, meaning everybody could be a good father, but a connected father, like, my daughter, I knew when she got her first boyfriend and what she was saying, and she asked me, like, we, we have this bond. Um, she just turned 16. She was born on my birthday, which is amazing, 16 years ago as of last week. Um, and I have a fear of them not being connected, not obsessive. Just, I just want them to lean on me. I don't want to guide their lives. I want them when they're dealing with shit that I already have the answer to. I want them to feel safe to come ask me. And so far, knock on wood, that's working. So, um, yeah, I think that's that's
1: that's two real. Fears. Yeah, that's real. Um, you have something really major. We're gonna we're gonna end with this, and I want to give you an opportunity. If if you've been listening to this podcast or watching this uh, on YouTube or something like that and you want to get closer proximity to dean and to tony um you guys have something really spectacular that you're about to go yes. and do that it doesn't matter where in the world you're located if you have a cell phone or a computer and you can get online you will be able to join something that i think is going to r- radically set you up for dominating 2023 i agree it's going to be one of those things it's 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 only happening once you will not want to miss this. You're going to want to watch this. You can watch it from the comfort of your own home, but you're going to want to take an entire week and go through something that's a real process. It's, a, it's an evolutionary process yeah. that they're going to, you're going to put them through. I've seen you guys do this in the past. When we talk about having a million people online at one time watching you guys, you guys just literally break down at the deepest level people and build them back up and give them an unshakable... Path. And a framework, right? And a framework to go out there and really, like you said, with the with the economy and the uncertainty and everything happening in people's lives just on a daily basis, to be so out of control, so uncertain, but to be able to pull it all back together by going through a process and having a framework to roll through. What, what do you have going on and how how can they get involved with it? It's what's first yeah. off, what's this event called?
0: Yeah, it's called unshakable, become unshakable. It's a challenge. We do it every January. We've been doing it. This is our fourth year, third week of January. Tell you what happened, Tony has never done anything free, not because he didn't wanna give back, he just was so busy with his events. When COVID came and him and I being partners, I said, brother, the world needs you more than ever. I know how to get to his heart. I'm like, you gotta do one thing free a year to just help the masses. He's like, yeah, but how do you fit in? I'm like, how do you not? And I know where his heart is. He's like, there's people all around the world that need you. Last event, we had 167 countries, 960,000 people, right? Um, Every time zone that you could possibly imagine. And we laid out this five-day framework, and it's changed, and it'll change again this year. And this year, last year was going to be his last year to do it. And then we said, let's do it again because of what's going on, because of recession. And I'll tell you exactly what it is. It's five days. We say two hours a day. Tony will probably go three hours a day. And he literally obsesses on the frameworks you need to thrive, especially in a shifting economy. Everything we talked about today on steroids, there's nobody better in the world than Tony. Listen, I love that you give me credit for being great at personal development. I think I'm one of the best in the world. I'm not anywhere close to what Tony Robbins is. Like that, that's the way I feel with marketing. Tony's a good marketer. I'm hands down a way better marketer. He's hands down the greatest personal development trainer in the history of the world. I don't think anybody argues that. And this might be the last time in history you get to see him free for five days. And he is hell bent on delivering people what you need, whether you're just starting a business or you're 10 million a year wanting to go to hundred. You can't miss it. It's five days. And let Uh, me be uh, really transparent. You can go to tonysevent.com. Just go to tonysevent.com. Register right now. Get your friends. Then take the link and send it to every friend you know, because this might be the last time. And let me be really transparent. This is about serving people. I'll tell you exactly what we're going to offer in those five days. Day three, Tony's going to offer you a ticket to UPW. Like a $400 ticket. There's no other, it's not five days of multiple pitches and multiple things. Like day three, he'll be like, hey, if you like this, you can go to UPW and you freaking should. And then day five, he'll say it again. He might not even say it. Sometimes he won't pitch. I got to jump on and go, hey, by the way, <laughs> you should buy a ticket. Go to, to you, you go to UPW. So Unleash the Power Within is his legendary event he's been doing for 45 years. And we make that offer twice in like five minutes. The rest of those five days are him giving back to the world. And it'd be a shame if you miss it and he never does it again, you'd miss out. And if you've never learned from Tony, this is your chance. And if you have, you know you won't. So it's Tony'sEvent.com. It starts January 24th. Put it in your calendar.
1: Yeah, I highly recommend it. And look, I'm not being paid anything for this. I'm just doing it because I've been on these live events. They're phenomenal. You guys over-deliver every single time. And I've been to UPW. It's a phenomenal event. As much as I thought it, I left there on uh, so fired up, so focused just and in my next year was phenomenal. Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of people need that right now. Um I couldn't be more grateful for you spending this time with us, man, and just being raw and 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 I am glad I was able to pull some things out of you that you yeah, normally I don't some share. Yeah, stuff I don't. And so. look, look, these guys, they're kind of losers. They have not hit a million people on a live <laughs> event yet. You got to, you know, I need 40,000 of you listening to this to just go to Tony'sEvent.com. And just registered just to help get them to be winners finally. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, they just gotta get over a million so we can go around the world and brag. We had a million people on, on a live event at one time. But I appreciate you, man. You got it, man. Yeah. All right. Well, look, you guys know what to do. Make sure you uh you share this podcast with somebody that needs to hear some of this stuff. Dean dropped a lot of fire, a lot of knowledge, a lot of tactical stuff. And uh, you know, by sharing it with somebody, you never know how you're going to actually impact them. So we appreciate you. That's all we have for this episode. Until next time, take care, comb your hair. We're out.